So we're doing this series um, on Jesus as the image of God. And so we just as a church wanted to, like, as we always do, this isn't just something we're going to do for six weeks and then move on. Like, we always want to have our attention firmly fixed on who God is and be led by him, shaped by him, molded by him, and, um, and just do everything in response to him. But particularly over the next few weeks, we wanted to recognize um, the absolute gift that we have as Christians, that we believe God isn't just this thing in the ether. He's, he's not just a force. He's not just a philosophy. He's not just an idea or you know, goodness that holds the world together. Um, we actually see him in a person. That the, the gift of the incarnation is, is the thing that sets our faith apart, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth lived and breathed, and he was God. Um, and that's amazing. And that's the absolute um, foundation of our faith. And so we want to just take the next few weeks to kind of think about different aspects of who, uh, who God is um, and how we see that in the life of Jesus and what we can learn from that. And um, a sort of source text for all of this is Colossians 1, um, 15 to 17, which I'm just going to read again. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. It's just one of those incredible passages. Like He's the visible image of the invisible God. And just as we start, I just want to actually pray over us um, using the verses that come just before that in Colossians. Um, it's one of the sort of apostolic prayers that Paul writes in his letters. So um, if you guys don't mind, just um, close your eyes. I'm just going to um, pray this over you, slightly um, tweak the wording so it makes a bit more sense in this context. I ask God to give us complete knowledge of his will and to give us spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way we live will always honor and please the Lord and our lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while we will grow as we learn to know God better and better. I also pray that we will be strengthened with all his glorious power so we will have all the endurance and patience we need. May we be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Amen. <laughs> so uh, today we're looking at Jesus as provider and um, we're seeing, like, there's so much we could talk about. Um, but this idea of, of God being the God who provides, it's, um, it's one of the names of God that I think a lot of us know, don't we? The whole idea of um, Jehovah Jireh. Um, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Which, um, that name was first used in Genesis when, um, when God provided a, a ram for um, uh, Jacob. <laughs> Yes, um, Isaac's father. No, the other way around. Abraham, thank you. I didn't write it down. Um, they always just blur into one, don't they, those guys? Um, 
Um, provided a ram for the offering. And so um, the idea that, that one of the names of God, the one, the one parts of Isaac, his identity is Jehovah Jireh. So um, God has revealed himself as this throughout scripture. In fact, one of my favorite ways that we see it is, um, as Lucy referenced at the start in Exodus 16, when we see um, the manna and the quail that's provided for the Israelites every day in the wilderness. And um, if you're interested in finding out about that, I spoke about it in the summer. Um, so go and listen to it. And there's um, just some interesting things about the way that God provides and what that teaches us about him. But in particular, today, we obviously want to look at Jesus. We want to see how um, Jesus himself provides, but actually is the provider, is the person in whom Jehovah Jireh takes his form. And, um, and hopefully there's going to be stuff that raises your faith for actually where you need to see God's provision in your life. But also, um, as with everything we're trying to do over the next few weeks, helps us to kind of reorientate our lives around Jesus. So he's the one that we orbit around, not the other way around. Um, and we're going to start by looking at two passages from Matthew 6 that are kind of right next to each other. Um, and we're going to do the first one we're going to look at is starting in verse 25. So if you have a Bible, um, it's probably worth flicking that open. If not, it should be on the screen. Yeah. Um, so this may be titled, Do Not Anxious. Do Not Be Anxious. So from verse 25, Jesus is um, speaking to his followers in the Sermon on the Mount. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store foods in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Mm, hallelujah. <laughs> um, generally, though, that is a very comforting passage, isn't it? <laughs> like, that we don't have to worry about tomorrow, that we don't, like, that, that God is going to provide for us, that, you know, we're worth so much more than, than the sparrows and the lilies, um, than, like with, it, with the apple of God's eye, we're his wonderful and fearfully made creation. We're people that Psalm 139 tells us that God knows how many hairs are in our head. He thinks about our coming and going. He knows what we're doing. Um, he loves us so much, so of course, he's going to provide for us. And so this, this passage is just an encouragement. Just look around and see how God holds everything together, you know, in and through him. We have our being, we live and we move. So wherever you're at right now, like just know that you do not need to worry about everyday life. And that's so much easier said than done. And, you know, don't worry, great. But it's a promise. God says he will provide for you. He does have everything you need. And, and more than just having what you need, like the Bible talks about how God knows the desires of our heart as well. Like it's not just about kind of getting us through. 
Like God knows what's in our heart. He knows our dreams and our passions and our desires. Later in Matthew 7, you know, we hear about how God is a good father. He loves to give good gifts. You know, no one's going to go to him and say, can I have some bread? And he's going to give you a stone. You know, he's not going to give us a snake or a scorpion or anything nasty. He's not out to get us. Like he wants good things for us. And he says, ask, seek, knock. The door will be open to you. Like we read promises in the Old Testament about the storehouses of heaven that are open above us. So God, like God wants to provide for our needs and he, he puts desires in our hearts for a reason. And he has unlimited resource that is available to us as his kids, it, which it's amazing. And it's not something we have to earn. You know, it's not something that we get in return for doing X, Y, Z. It's not even just something we might get if we happen to knock on God's door and he's having a good day. It's, it's not to do with, with any of that stuff. It's because of his nature. You know, he's Jehovah Jireh. It's his name. It's who God is. Like, God cannot help but provide for us because he is provision. It's not just something he does, it's something that he is. And so, um, yeah, like I said, we could, we could look through story after story through scripture. And hopefully you could look through story after story in your life of the way that God has, has come through, has provided, maybe, like, maybe in advance, maybe last minute, maybe how you expected, maybe in completely weird ways. But um, we know that God is a provider. And I just want to encourage you that what, wherever you are right now, whatever you need, you can find it in him. And he is without limit. He is without edge or boundary. So I just want to encourage you to, um, to be bold in your requests of God. Be bold in your expectations of who he is and what he can do for you. But I just want to go up a few verses to um, starting at verse 19. Don't store up your treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And I love that these two passages are literally right next to each other. We get the one and get the other. I did it in the wrong way around. Um, and Jesus is really clever, you know. He knows what he's doing. And um, I just love it because... It's this, again, this is one of these things that we know, but it's probably easy to sort of let slip. It's like, God is our provider. His provision must not become our God. God is our provider. His provision must not become our God. <laughs> Thanks to my faithful employees over there. <laughs> Um, so absolutely like God wants to provide for us absolutely in the very material sense like clothes and food pretty fundamental things but he also knows how easy it is for us to get seduced by stuff 
especially in our context. You know, um, so he's talking this passage about money, but really it's the whole idea of mammon. People heard that phrase before. So it's, it's, it's not just like the pounds and pence, like the physical coins in your hand. It, like mammon is, is almost like, a, like the God or the spirit of money, of possession, of stuff, of thing. Um, and, it, and it's like, no one's, no one's saying that, that money is in and of itself bad. You know, we know when we, we look at that um, passage in Timothy, like it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's not money is the root of all evil. But, um, and I was just thinking about this and, I think the reason why um, God asked us to be like, where's your heart? Like, who are you actually serving? Is it God or is it mammon? Is it, is it the stuff? It's because it's not just of the stuff, but it's of what that stuff represents. So taking money, for example, it's like, well, yeah, I might want money, but actually, do I want what comes with it? Like, do I want the comfort that comes with it or the safety that, you know, I can go and do whatever I want? Like... Maybe it's the, um, the power or the influence that might come with having money and the, the opportunities that might, that might open for you in certain situations. Is it, is it the idea that, you know, if, I, if I've got enough provision, um, that I'll be able to self-direct, that I'll be able to self-determine, that I'll be able to sort myself out, C.S. Lewis talks about prosperity, uh, and he says um, it has a way of knitting us to the world because we think we're making our way in the world, but really the world is making its way in us. And I think the root of this is like, we've kind of been like, if we, had, if we just had enough money, then I won't really need God. Um, like, I'd still want him, of course I will. I'll be here every week. I will, I'll tithe, I'll, I'll support the mission stuff we're doing, like, I'll do all that stuff, but it'd be really nice to like, not actually have to like, lean all the way. It'd be nice to know I could sort myself out. Like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to have a go at anyone or anything, like, and this is hard stuff. But I think at, at the root of that, you know, when God's like, ultimately when it comes down to it, you can either serve me or you can serve money. I think it's like, do you actually want to rely on me and trust me to provide for you? Or do you sort of want to sort yourself out, but kind of get me to help you with that a bit? Yeah. And so I I think there's a real temptation here to want God for what he can do for us and not for who he is. And so I think it's amazing just kind of where we were in worship, like actually, is God worthy of everything? Is that true? Or do we ultimately see him as a means to an end? You know, um, the idea that he might be some kind of cosmic vending machine. And um, it's not that those things are wrong. That's, this is, we, we're so prone in the church, aren't we, just to like draw lines and like make things like super binary and be like, so it's not like possessions are wrong. It's not like even extravagance and wealth are wrong. They're amazing things that God can use for his glory. But the, the thing is that we need to remember is none of that stuff, even the really good stuff, is going to last. You know, like, that's why it's store up your treasures in heaven because even all the treasure in the earth isn't going to last. It's going to be eaten, like, well, probably won't be eaten by moths because I don't know if they can eat Bitcoin, but um, <laughs> it's not going to last one way or another. 
do you want the provision or do you want the provider? That's the question. And the great thing is, it's not either or. Um, and any tension that we might feel, I think we find resolved as ever in Jesus. So I just want to um, look through a, a little kind of interaction that Jesus has in John 6 with his followers, because I think that's, that's really sort of informative. Um, so if you've got a Bible again, open it to John 6. Uh, we're going to start in verse 25, but just for a bit of context. Jesus has just fed the 5,000, um, so he's, he's done that um, miracle of provision. Um, it's the next day, he's done a bit of walking on water overnight, um, and the crowd are looking for him. Um, and then we get to verse 25. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So it's like, busted. Jesus knows why they're so keen to find him. It's like they want a free dinner again. He's like, you can see right through them. But he's like, but actually, he doesn't just sort of say, go away. He's like, right, okay, this is an opportunity to sort of go somewhere with you. So he's like, okay, let's point to what really matters. And then they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? It's like, no, honestly, we're good Christians. We want to do it. We want to be here. We want to do all the right stuff. Um, and then Jesus replies, he says, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. So in other words, like, see me for who I am. See me as the ultimate provision for mankind. I don't need you to impress me. I don't need you to sort of do stuff for me. I just need you to see me for who I am. Verse 30, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's like, seriously, guys, uh, could you be any more obvious? So many miracles they could have chosen from, but they've gone straight for the bread one again. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. So they've had the provision, but they haven't seen the provider. They haven't believed that Jesus is who he says he is. And so ultimately, they've cut themselves off from the only provision that is eternal. Jump down to verse 30, 47. I tell you the truth, Jesus is still speaking. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. I think in this context, verse 49 really jumped out to me. Now, 
Yeah, the Israelites received miraculous provision every single day for 40 years. Like that is a lot of miraculous provision. I've definitely seen some miraculous provision in my life, but like every single day for 40 years is a lot. But at the end of the day, they discovered what everyone does. You can't take it with you. Like even Lazarus, he's not still walking around. But there is life that doesn't end. There is eternity. There is more. There is a a kingdom coming that won't rust and destroy and decay. And that's what Jesus wants us to get hold of. It's like, actually, that's the most important thing, that we eat the bread that satisfies for eternity. We eat the bread that is him, that is, that is this person, that the bread that's broken for us and shared for all of us. It's in, it's in that provision that we find what ultimately will satisfy and ultimately what will satisfy for eternity. Like you could have everything the world could offer, you could have nothing. But at the end of the day, it's all about what do we do with this person, Jesus? Do we see him? Have we seen him for who he is? That every ache that is expressed both in our, our need for dinner and in our need for significance and for influence and to help and to love and to serve, and like all that stuff that's in, programmed into us as humans, made in God's image, that is, ultimately finds its satisfaction in Jesus. And if we see him for who he is, if we eat the bread of heaven, then we'll get to like, be satisfied with him forever. So, so any encouragement to you, like actually, do you know that provision? Whatever provision you may need in front of you, which God cares about, do you also know that eternal provision? Because it's available for every single one of us. So we've seen God's provider, we've seen our mate, he's seen, he meets our needs, he, he meets our desires, he's extravagant, he loves to give us things. But ultimately there's, there's even more important things than the stuff that God wants to give us. That, um, the earthly treasures, no matter how they come, uh, whether they're miraculous or not, like, they're not going to last. But it's only heavenly treasures that are eternal. You know, we want God to fill our bellies, but he wants to give us eternal life. And he has in the person of Jesus, who's the bread of life. If we put our trust in him, we know that we'll have that provision forever and ever. But here's where it comes full circle. That eternal provision isn't just something for eternity, for after we die. That provision is something we need every single day. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Give us today our daily bread. Bread for our bellies, yes, and bread for our souls. Give us today our daily bread. We'll need to come back and ask again tomorrow. And it's probably best for everyone that we do. The next verse is about forgiveness. And it, it, just as I was writing this, it, it just felt like actually, for me, I feel like I need to ask for forgiveness sometimes. And maybe you too. Like, actually, Jesus, forgive us for wanting it all in one go. 
Like, forgive us for wanting that resource injection that just sets us up for a while. For so long that actually we start to think we're sorting ourselves out. Like, forgive us, Jesus, for that. Forgive us, Jesus, for asking you to punch our ticket to heaven and not leaning on you every day. Like, we don't want to be counted among those that he turns to at the end and say, I don't even know you. Yeah, you did all that great stuff for me, but I didn't know you. And ultimately, forgive us, Jesus, for wanting what you have and not who you are. But at the risk of getting too down on ourselves. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, that you see us, you know us, you care for us, that you provide for us in the big things and the small. Thank you, Jesus, that your provision is abundant and extravagant, better than we could ever imagine. Thank you, Jesus, that your provision will never stop, will never end. It's good news that Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, knows your name. He knows your comings and your goings. He knows what you need. He's with you and he's for you. He wants to provide for you. So I hope that's helpful in terms of like holding some of that stuff in tension, in terms of like, Yes, God provide, but ultimately, what are we asking for from God? Like, are our hearts pointed towards the true bread, the true provision? Because we can only serve one master. Like, is it the stuff of the world or is it God? But um, we've got 10 minutes or so, and um, I just feel like today is a brilliant opportunity for us to share some stories. Right throughout the Old Testament, um, there's a theme of, of testimony, of just how significant it is. Um, so even in the story of, of the manna, like, um, it's really interesting how the manna only lasts one day, and they try and gather more, and um, try to sort themselves out, and it decays, and they can't. But actually, um, then there's a bit at the end where they put some in a jar, um, and it is preserved for generations. Um, so that actually future generations will be able to look at this jar of testimony, be like, oh, for 40 years, this is the way that God provided. This is who he is. This is what he was like. Therefore, this is, this is what I can expect from him in the future. It's the same thing for when um, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, um, crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, and they picked up stones from the bottom of the, the bed, and they, they um, set them up on the other side so that anyone who walked past would be like, oh, I know where those stones come from. That actually they wouldn't be there if God wasn't a miraculous providing God that brought people through into promise. And every single one of us, we're jars of testimony. Every single one of us have stones that we've picked up from riverbeds and placed on the side of our lives. Or maybe we haven't placed them, maybe we're still holding them. And so actually in sharing stories of who God is and what he's like, particularly around this whole idea of provision. We, um, we encourage ourselves. We remind ourselves of what he's done. We remind ourselves of what he's like, and we give ourselves permission to dream for what he might do in the future. And so I think it's so important that we get really good at recognizing what God's done, not just assuming we did it all on our own, we sorted ourselves out, but we give him the glory and the honor, and we, um, we recognize that and remind ourselves and give people permission to see into our lives and, um, on almost, and, and take from that benefit. So this is what we're going to do. Um, just in the people around you, um, take a couple of minutes each. You might have, you might have to really, yeah, d- 
have a think back. It could be something from this week. It could be something from years ago. But just can you share a little story of the way that Jesus has provided in your life? Um, because I'm sure other people would love to hear that. Is that okay? Absolutely. Great. So um, we've not got long, so let's, let's do that. Um, so just with two, like three or fours, just turn around and share, share a story of how Jesus has provided in your life. All right, just um, finishing out whichever one you want. Um, I would love it if um, well, maybe two or three people. Um, oh, that never happens that quickly. <laughs> I wonder if maybe two or three people would want to come and um, share a testimony at the front. Great, Shirley, come on. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Well, if you go on the church Facebook group, you will see this, but I don't care. So, my mechanic said, go and buy another car shell. Your car's a bit, bit not worth it anymore. I need a wheelchair accessible vehicle because I use a mobility scooter. And we looked online, and they're silly money. They are just like, lots. And we found two, a purple one and a red one. And they were similar the red one was a bit older. And so we made the point to go and see them both. And over the weekend, I was praying about it, and I couldn't go and see the purple one in good conscience because it was too much money. And said to God, I can't do this. I need a sign that it's the right car to buy. And so then I looked online again, and I found a silver one. That was four months older than the red one. And it had about 500 more miles on the clock. So I went to see that one first. We both liked it. We don't know a lot about cars. I know where the fuel goes. I know how to steer them. I'm fantastic at reversing, but don't ask me anything mechanical. I haven't a clue. And we'd t- taken £3,600 cash deposit in an envelope. We'd both counted it. We knew there was £3,600 in it. So we handed it over, and one of the guys said, can I count it? I'm like, yeah, of course you can. So he sat, opened the envelope, and counted it, while the other guy was asking me questions. And when the guy had finished counting it, there was two piles of money. It was £3,600 in one pile, and there was 840 in another pile. How good is God? Um, stay there, Shirley. Yeah, I just wondered, would you mind praying in a second? Does anyone need some free money? Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, now, particularly, does anyone have a, like a need with regards to cars and transport that actually they just need God to break through on? Um, great. Anyone else? Um, stick your hands in the air if that's you. Shay, would you mind praying? Go for it. Sure. What, from here? Yeah, go for it. Okay, Father God... I I speak to you first about the two guys here who need cars. I ask that you do a miracle just like you did for me and Kev, that you show them the right car for them at the right price and that you put everything in place so that when they go to buy it, they know it's the car you've chosen for them. They know because the money's there, the finance is there, the car meets their needs perfectly. I ask that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.
Um, great. Can we, anyone else? Great. Come with John. Let's give John a round of applause. So the January pre-COVID, whatever year that was, a long time ago, um, we're driving home from church and um, we were in a car accident on a motorway, five cars. Um, first car, for some reason, decided to brake and I was the last car into it and we were the fifth car. Absolute mess. Um, I've got an older son who is seven, so he would have been about five. So he was five, sat in the front seat. Caleb and Nathan in the back, he was about three, and kept my wife in the back as well. And the car was an absolute write-off. Um, everybody walked away without a scratch, pretty much. There was a 70-year-old in the front car. Um, it was, we were alive. It's good to be alive. <laughs> we, um, we got home, um, well, we went to um, hospital to be checked out, purely because there's a five-year-old and three-year-old in a we were traveling at about 60, like there was no time to stop. Um, airbags deployed, and obviously we were taken into hospital. The boys were absolutely fine. Um, my brother-in-law, Ben, picks us up. Caleb's like, can I get in the front of the car? Like, absolutely, let's just jump back on the horse and let's just go. And um, we, we get home, we're like, like closer, like a breakdown. And the boys just like, let's do some worship. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, stay there. I think this is for everyone. Would you um, just pray uh, for protection over us all? That would be amazing. Yeah, well, thank, you for, thank you for life. Wherever we feel, um, wherever we are in, in this moment in time, thank you for life. And I pray that, Lord, that you'll just protect us when we're out and about. You'll protect us in our cars. You'll protect us in our houses. You'll just protect us as we walk, as we breathe, Lord. And whatever thoughts, wherever our mental state is, thank you for life. Lord, I find that people always find a reason to, be, to stay alive, want to stay alive, to want to get out of bed in the morning. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pete. Um, yes, round of applause. <clears throat> Could we have one more story of Jesus providing? Karim, make it a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got loads of stories of God providing financially because I'm kind of terrible with my finances and I'm always living like close to the edge. Um, but literally, like, like thousands of stories, um, it always comes through. So I'm kind of not scared anymore, even though the finances kind of look kind of crazy. But uh, I was sharing over there and then I really feel like God's on my heart to do something with uh, debt. Because the story I ended up sharing was, um, so imagine this, I'll try to be really quick, fast track. I'm like £2,000 in my overdraft like when I uh, was in uni. I dropped out of uni with like bad mental health in like my third year. That like, took a year out. And I got an extra, like that month's worth of student finance payment just before I dropped out. Uh, I didn't ask for it back because I was like, cool, this kind of helps me like pay that. I was in counselling. I didn't I want working because I was in like the pit. I was like, I can't work. <laughs> Stayed in bed all the time. So the money helped me like cover a little bit of that season. So I got back on my feet and started working. Um, but they didn't ask for it back. And then I moved houses loads of times as well because like, mum was already, dad moved here, moved house. And so basically it turns out I was getting letters from student finance asking for that chunk of money back. It was like 860 pounds. Um, but I never received it. Then they sent it on to a, 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 like a Scottish debt collector, right? And I, I weren't getting these uh, letters, but it turns out I went, went back to Bradford and my grandma was receiving letters from student finance. And 
Uh, she was like, oh, Kroom, you got all these like, stack of letters. I'm like, oh, crazy. Like, I don't know, no, whatever. Um, I thought they were just like, telling me, you know, you need to pay that little percentage back, whatever. I left it. And then uh, I started getting numbers from a Scottish call on my phone. I was working at, uh, in Vile at the time. I, I told you about a dinner off, actually. Um, so I'm getting all these calls. I'm, like, I'm not going to pick it up. It's a Scottish number. Um, I, ended up pick- <laughs> I ended up picking it up. And then they're like, oh. Um, and then, oh, no, I Googled the number. I'm like, it's a debt collector thing. I'm like, oh, mad, that's crazy. I go through all this stuff and then I find out I've got, turns out I've got an account. I'll go through my student finance. It's like, oh, oftentimes we don't pay student finance to pass on to debt collector. You owe them, like, bring them up, say whatever you need to say, put in your details, um, and they'll say how much you owe. And so I owed £862. So as I say, I'm still, like, living close. I've got maximum £2,000 overdraft. I'm, like, living, like, in that, like, month to month, I'm living this £2,000. So I've got no money. It's all my fault. £862 that I owe, I don't have any money. I'm like, God, I know it's my fault for like being terrible with money, but I need you to sort me out because I can't do it. Like if I go over my overdraft, like I start charging, it's crazy. So I'm like, God, it's all my fault, but I need you to do something about it. Please do. Um, later on, I kind of told a few people like, oh, these guys are like, keep buzzing me up. Like I'm <laughs> got awesome money. Crazy. I thought it was funny. Um, and then this guy that I know, he's called Jack, amazing guy. He goes City Church actually. Um, in Manchester, um, out of the one time we lived in a small group together, it's kind of like a little alpha type thing. And uh, I was joking about it with him before and afterwards. He was like, Oh, bro, before you go, can I just catch you? I was like, Yeah, yeah. Um, he said, Oh, you, I know you're laughing about it, but like, this is serious. Um, I know what position you're in, but I, like, I've been blessed. He'd recently got some like money and given to him himself. And he's like, He didn't know how much it was, I never told him, but he was like, Oh, uh, I'm gonna pay it off for you. Like, no matter how much it is, I'll pay it off. Um, and so I told him the amount, thinking he might go, I'll pay a bit of it off. <laughs> um, and he just paid, he just sent the money to my account and paid it off there and then. So like, I paid them off, no more debt. Um, and now I'm no longer like minus two thousand pounds overdraft as well, with some other blessings as well. And like my brother Ivan coming through for me all the time as well. But I felt like, really like felt the, the thing on my heart to say like, a lot of my financial problems have been my fault because I'm not like financially savvy. I didn't grow up like financially savvy. Um, and God still came through and still provided through people through miraculous blessing and I kind of felt like there might be some people and I guess like everyone has debts in different kind of ways but maybe like a really tricky financial position and you're kind of like oh like it's my fault like I didn't handle it well I did whatever um, and I feel like God wants to come through for you so I'd like to pray about it um, okay fit <laughs> yeah yeah you don't have to put your hands up because I know I know it's like I laugh about it but it's kind of crippling so <laughs> um uh, yeah, Father, I thank you, and thank you so much, Ralph, as well, because it's fire today. Um, Lord, thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. Thank you that, um, thank you that all the people here are here for a reason as well, God, that, um, even this, this sermon, you prepared it all, you prepared the way, um, and that you are the provider. And I remember in that story, one thing that God told me, he said, Karim, if you knew how to handle the money, I would have put it into your account sooner, but you couldn't handle it. I had to leave it with somebody else, but it was always yours. I'd always prepared it for you but you weren't ready to handle it yet. Um, and so, Lord, I pray for all of the ways in which we feel like we've, we've messed up, like we've not handled our money correctly. But I thank you that you've actually prepared a way for us, as you do for children who are learning uh, to like stand on their own two feet. God, you prefer, you protect and you uh, have like safety measures in place for us. And Lord, your grace is like abounding. It's fullness, you're abundant. And Lord, I pray for those people right now who uh, don't feel that abundance, like they look in the bank account and things are really tight. It's tight in your chest. You, 
like, I have no idea how I'm going to get through to the next month, God. Um, I just ask that you would, first of all, give them a peace to, as Ralph was saying, to know you, to know the provider, and um, to know that you are, you are the source. And we're not looking to the resource, not looking where the money is coming from, but Lord, that they would first and foremost look to you as the source. And I just thank you for the privilege that you're going to do. Uh, like you put it on my heart, Lord. So I just trust that you are going to provide for them in miraculous ways. And I pray that they will be a, a testimony to other people. And then one thing I would encourage you with as well is like, I'm basically saying like, thank you, God, for the provision you're already going to do for them. Um, but for those people as well, whoever you are, um, one thing that God really put on my heart is like, don't let the flow stop uh, in terms of like the generosity, like to keep it going. Even when things are tight, like even when things are like, really wrapped up, sometimes like we kind of close our hands because it's like stressful. Um, I would say like my philosophy um, is like you can't outgive God <laughs> and it's true um, so Lord I pray that uh, they would whatever is like tight in their heart now they would open their hands God and allow that to flow through them and I just thank you ahead of time for the blessing I just pray right now if there's any anxiety just about the idea of debt Lord uh, I just I just declare real peace and we just declare freedom from debt from restriction from that enslavement that um, the verse was talking about God and we just ask for a freedom to step into all that you've called them to be um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was a long prayer. Thanks, mate. Um, if you ever want to stand up, that'd be great. We pray. If you need to get your kids, um, feel free to head out and do that. That'd be awesome. <clears throat> Let's just pray. Father, thank you for who you are, Jesus. That you are Jehovah Jireh. God, and I thank you for all the stories that we've heard at the front and that we've shared with each other. God, I thank you they're just a drop in the ocean of the ways that you provide. And Father, I thank you that ultimately we know that um, you're holding us, that in and through you, we move and have our being. And so I just pray that every single one of us would um, see you for who you are, see you as the bread of life, and find you as our source. And I just, I pray God for... Um, testimony after testimony of encounters with your extravagant provision in every aspect, in every facet. So I bless these guys, God. I pray that you go ahead of us into this week. We'd fall more in love with you. We'd see more of who you are and you would shape us into the people you're calling us to be. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Great. We'll uh, see you all next week. Hopefully less stress.